the homeschool enthusiast. This is the podcast inspiring a generation of parents and students to escape public school prisons, develop a passion for lifelong learning, and promote family as the center of an education. At the homeschool enthusiast, we believe the best learning happens outside a classroom and that every student has unlimited God-given potential. And here's your host, entrepreneur and proud homeschool graduate, Noah Tetzner. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Homeschool Enthusiast. I'm so excited today because my guest is Robert Bortons, a man who's known for helping people be successful through his work as CEO at Classical Conversations. Now, Classical Conversations, that's a word familiar to probably 99.9% of you listening in. For those who aren't familiar with Classical Conversations, it is a home-centered educational community that equips parents to provide their children with timeless tools of learning so they can discover nature's order and beauty and enable others to do the same. But Robert, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Noah, it's a pleasure to be here and excited to share my story and talk about whatever we want to talk about today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, Classical conversations, uh, that's something that I did uh, for a few years as a, as a homeschooling student. I know a lot of people listening in probably are utilizing the community as well. Uh, and you're CEO of the company. I know it's grown and changed a lot over the years and expanded. Uh, so is homeschooling, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But um, why don't you take us back in time, Robert, to you know, right around, say, the high school age. I think that's the age when a lot of people start to think about their careers. You're obviously a homeschool graduate yourself. So, you know, kind of where was your head at when you were, you know, still homeschooling? You know, did you know that you would go on to, you know, become CEO one day? Kind of take us back in time. Yeah. So the kind of the ideas that got us to start Classical Conversations uh, back in 1997 was uh, me transitioning into high school. And my parents, like many uh, parents back then, you know, how are we going to get Robert into college? You know, what about the harder subjects? A lot of my friends were going, that were homeschooled, were looking at private schools or even sending their kids to public school because of these uh, questions. And my mom and my dad just talked and said, hey, if... Uh, if we homeschool Robert and help help you other parents homeschool through high school, will you stick it out? And uh, so 11 other or 10 other families joined us that first year. So there was 11 of us uh, home, homeschooling uh, in the community, uh, which of course now we know is the first classical conversations community. Uh, back then we were just, just getting it started. And the next year, more people heard about it and wanted to join and uh, so my mom kind of took the 16 pages of uh, the curriculum at the time that she had stapled together and gave it to another mom who used it to do the first year, which is now challenge one. And we did challenge two and just kind of made it up as we went. And uh, so there was no at that time. uh classical conversations really to be me to, to pay me a salary sure. <laughs> uh, that uh, I did. I really enjoyed being homeschooled. Like I know not everyone, you know, just like anything, people have uh, mixed emotions. I think most homeschoolers I talked to really enjoyed it. Um, but of course, some of them, some of them didn't. Uh, but one of the things that I really valued was the time and freedom I was able to have. And I thought at the time computers were kind of um, new or at least getting into mainstream in a new way. And I knew how to program a little bit. I could make websites. Um, so I thought I was going to go into computer engineering. Yeah. And so 
one of those benefits uh, starting uh, my junior year was I actually was able to intern at a local uh, company that was a computer science company. They um, did program wrote programs. Yeah. So there's about uh, 12 people there. And during the school year, I was able to go one day a week and work. And then during the summer, I would work full time. So my last two years of, uh, you know, high school, I was almost able to get a full year's worth of experience in the engineering field. And I did discover that I wanted to be an engineer, but I also discovered that I did not want to be a computer engineer. And for those who have been to college, uh, at least a lot of my friends uh, switched majors a lot. So there was, and of course, every time you switch majors, not everything transfers over. Right. So it extends your college career, which obviously costs more and more money and then reduces the time that you have to start making money. And uh, so being able to know that I wanted to do engineering, but not computer engineering was incredibly valuable. And then uh, as a sophomore, my mom called me up as they were helping pay tuition at that time. And uh, I'd save some money as well and had some scholarships. Uh, but she called me up that fateful afternoon and said that my dad was quitting his job and that she was going to try to make classical conversations a real a real thing. Um, and uh, that I was not going to be able to expect any more money out of them. And I had to pay for college myself. <laughs> so um, I went to the co-op office, which is like an internship, but it's kind of like a guarantee that you're going to stay with the same company for three different terms. And I said, hey, I need a job next semester because I don't have enough money to pay tuition. And uh, I was able to get the highest paying co-op job that was out there, despite uh, it was, of course, the most competitive one at uh, it was starting out at like $18 an hour. And that was back in 2002 or 2003. <laughs> so qu quite a bit of money. Right. Um, and. Uh, I thought there was no way that I was going to get this internship because all the 4.0 students, that's the one they applied to. And I did not have a 4.0. <laughs> I, I don't think I even had a 3.0 at that point. So, was, <laughs> but I had a whole resume of projects that I had done in engineering for Fortune 500 companies, you know, for smaller companies that had an impact on their bottom line and that I materially worked on in high school. So it was their GPA versus my experience and that experience won over. So if I had not been homeschooled, I would not have been able to have that experience. I might not have may have had to drop out of college or, um, you know, just gotten into significantly more student loan debt. You know, I was trying to keep my student loans down. Um, that, you know, would have been an option, but of course we know, uh, what the Bible says about debt. And so right. we were trying to keep it, keep it low. So even when I graduated college, uh, at that point, classical conversations maybe had uh, five or six thousand students. Uh, there was maybe one or two people getting paid through CC. Those people were not named the Bortons at that point. They were still going with, on without a paycheck. So when I graduated college, there was not a job to go into uh, at that point. I also wanted to um, kind of prove my homeschooling out. Like I had proven I could go to college. I could graduate. Yeah. I got a, you know, a, the covetous 
uh, internship co-op. Like I was able to uh, defeat my peers uh, for that role. <laughs> um, but I wanted to say, okay, well, high, homeschooling prepared me for college. And of course, college has changed a lot since since back then. Um, but does it prepare you for the job market for climbing the corporate ladder? And so, you know, I got a job with UPS, uh, worked there for a while, got another uh, engineering job uh, with a small manufacturing company. I did that for about five years. So uh, altogether, um, I think I probably have about a nine year engineering career uh, spanned out from the beginning of high school. I actually spent about two years co-oping because I would because <laughs> I would just keep working until they kicked me out or I had enough money to pay for school. Yeah. And uh, and then that. And then at that point, classical conversation had grown to uh, about 40,000 students, uh, maybe about 30 employees. And uh, I felt like uh, making widgets uh, a little bit faster and more effectively and a little bit you know higher quality was rewarding uh, but being able to impact souls and families and say hey if if my family can homeschool so can yours uh, then that would be something that would be beneficial I've got a train going by so I don't know if you can hear that or not oh no you're good man <laughs> okay <laughs> awesome yeah so I didn't uh, so at that point I uh, you know, left my engineering job. I was plant engineer uh, for this company and uh, came over and started uh, working in the marketing department, learning the organization. Actually, as a 26-year-old, 27-year-old, I enrolled myself into a Foundations Essentials program, which is basically for our 9 to 12-year-olds. So it was me and uh, about seven, eight, seven, uh, 12 year olds or, so, uh, you know, 11, 12 year olds in class. And I was writing my papers and trying to do the memory work, just trying to yeah. learn the system because uh, even though my mom started it, you know, she didn't necessarily start it when I was growing up. And so a lot of this was new to me and I was, and I felt like I learned more that one year. Uh, in foundations and essentials, which is again our third through sixth grade programs, um, than I did in any of my college classes <laughs> that weren't related to engineering. I mean, right. So it was just a yeah, it was a great experience, and uh, yeah. So I took over about ten years ago uh, okay. this fall, and uh, we were about sixty thousand students at that time. We have roughly one hundred thirty thousand around the world now. About just under 10,000 international, about 120,000 here in the United States. So the Lord's been good and we've tried to um, align our business practices and our philosophies around uh, what the Bible says, not what man says. And sometimes that can be difficult, uh, but we think uh, the Lord will um, re reward it in, in some way. You know, we don't know what that looks like, um, but we're trying to do what, do what he says and yeah. not be a, Christian just Sunday morning or Wednesday night, but live it out 24 seven, 365. Cause we think we don't think God called part-time disciples. Right. So whether you're middle management, a trash collector, um, a CEO, a homeschooling mom or dad, a uh, teacher, uh, you're a disciple 24 seven, 365. And we should live our lives as best we can, you know, fall, fallen sinful people that we are in a, in a way that uh, glorifies God. 
Man, I couldn't agree more, Robert. And there's, I mean, I love that story. There's so many things I could ask. Um, I think a good starting point is, you know, so I had the benefit of a classical education. I'm a huge advocate for classical education. And, you know, a lot of people, when they, they look at this model of education, they're thinking, okay, well, you know, does my student really need all seven of the liberal arts? I mean, you know, what's the point of, uh, you know, astronomy or music or something like that, or, or reading, you know, Socrates or Plato. Um, but you were classically educated, Robert. And then you also went on to a, have enough time to explore your passions as, you know, a high schooler. And then you had the experience to land you, um, you know, those career opportunities. So how do you think classical education set you up for success as a high schooler. And I say high schooler simply because, you know, that's kind of the the buzz age that parents are really curious about. Yeah. I mean, that's, this is how I explain it is like getting designs for a beautiful house, pouring a perfect foundation. And that's what homeschool parents are doing in their uh, elementary school and middle school. And then if they, go to high school, they get to build this beautiful house that they get to see like all this work and effort kind of uh, come together at the very end. Uh, but if you send them to public school, it's kind of like doing all that work and then dragging a, a trailer onto it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it could have been something nice, but uh, you know, we kind of gave up there right at the end. And yeah, it's, it's, it's livable and there's right. nothing wrong with it, you know, moral particularly. Um, you know, I'm not trying to downplay living in trailers. I've actually part of uh, paying for my own way was I slept on the top bunk in a trailer when I was co-oping. They had an internship program for high school students, and I befriended this high school student. And in order to save money, his parents invited me in, and I slept on his top bunk uh, for three months uh, and, and lived in there. So I'm not downplaying <laughs> the, the the trailer aspect of it. My point is. You put all this work and effort into creating this wonderful experience and then you don't get to enjoy the fruits of your labor because you give up right before um, the payoff. So, right. yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I mean, there's a lot of science behind, hey, like for a while sitting down was the new smoking where like people who sit down eight hours a day is like smoking a pack of cigarettes. Right. It's like, OK, well, what are you doing government school? You're supposed to sit down and keep your mouth shut. For eight hours a day, right. <laughs> like, like, like if you look at how these uh, educational systems that the government pays for are designed, I mean, it's. I think Ronald Reagan said it best: if if a foreign country, and I'm paraphrasing, implemented our public school system on us, we'd consider it like an act of war. Like it's literally, <laughs> I mean, someone who loves children would not set up the system as it is, and so you've sacrificed all this time. And hey, good news, parents, a lot of schools now have special scholarships for homeschoolers. They have like um, people who are recruiters that are recruiting homeschoolers mm -hmm. at, you know, at your big state universities have them. Of course, your small private schools have them, uh, Christian schools, secular schools like they want homeschool students because homeschool students, uh, they graduate on time. Uh, they pay back their student loans. Uh, they get good jobs. They enhance the profile of the college. Uh, they add, uh, they consider homeschooling a diverse background because, 
you know, they want public school kids, they want private school kids, they want charter school kids, and they want homeschool kids. So it's part of their diversity initiatives uh, to get homeschool kids. So hey, if you're sending them into uh, a different system, you're actually, uh, I would argue, um, holding back opportunities uh, from them in the future. Right. Potentially. Right. No, absolutely. Um, I couldn't agree more, Robert. And that's the reason why I'm so passionate about this. You know, I was able to achieve financial freedom at a young age, quite honestly, straight out of high school. And it's because I think we as a society have extended adolescence for so long. Um, you know, public education is definitely a contributor to that. Um, but I mean, there's so many doors that are open to homeschoolers. Um, Oh, I absolutely love that. Now, I want to get into classical conversations because it's changed a lot for the better over the years, uh, certainly since I was singing the timeline song, <laughs> you know. Um, so, I mean, I think like I, I get it. Everybody's sick of talking about COVID and we don't have to overanalyze it. But like that historical event changed homeschooling dramatically. Of course it did. Um, so you know, kind of where, where has classical conversations gone from, I mean, that fateful day when your mom gave you a call and said, we, you know, we can't pay for your college anymore to where it is now. And, you know, where do you, where, where are your thoughts on where the company's headed? How has, has COVID, you know, contributed to the, the mixed bag? Um, I just, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on all that. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, they say the mother intervention is necessity and that's how we started as an organization. And it was just, Hey, you know, can we provide something that is a value to families? And it ended up being very valuable to families. And so we were able to keep providing more and more, but of course, uh, as any, uh, entrepreneur knows, as you, uh, grow larger, you have other issues that you have to deal with and, trying to put in processes in place and procedures and make sure that uh, you're treating everyone uh, with respect and dignity and uh, all of those things as well as, okay, you know, right now, if we um, are writing a curriculum for, you know, a hundred parents or a thousand parents, you know, at the beginning, you know, there are certain expectations to be met. Well, as we've grown larger, those expectations are, have increased. And we have, of course, more resources to meet those expectations. But it's always fun whenever we launch a new book or yeah. some new curriculum because, well, we do a great job educating our parents and our students. And so we get a good 45,000, 50,000 plus editors that read our material after <laughs> we put it put it to paper and printed 10,000 copies of the book off. So um, that always is, I mean, Again, we, we go through all the processes, our, our correction mistakes are significantly less than industry standard, but uh, we're still, still striving for perfection uh, in publishing. It's allowed us um, to grow internationally and uh, you know, that's really, yeah. uh, really big. A lot of those people might live in countries, uh, I mean, the majority of them live in free countries, but some of them are in uh, countries where it might be illegal to be a Christian or it's illegal to homeschool. Uh, we're working on, of course, translating our materials. So uh, into Spanish and Portuguese, uh, we're almost uh, complete with Russian. Uh, we'll do, uh, you know, probably Mandarin uh, down the line sometime. Uh, but homeschooling during COVID really, uh, of 
course, there's more people in the U.S. homeschooling, but really globally. I mean, the government's pretty much dictated if you wanted your kid to get any sort of education that the parents had to be involved at home, even if they were sitting them in front of a laptop. So, so it's really helped us grow internationally. You know, here in the U.S., I was just super proud of our members of Classical Conversations that weren't even in leadership, just your mom or dad who were homeschooling their kids and how they stepped up and helped their neighbors navigate homeschooling or the online learning or just, you know, watching the kids during the day. And so that was just the love of uh, our customers to their neighbors was something that uh, was really moving uh, during that time. And we've also been a work from home company for a long time when I mean, we have an office, but we now have 160 employees, but only about 60 work in the office. So we were able to do a lot of uh, like um, coaching for other companies on like how to do work from home well and uh, you know how to set up your home office and run meetings and, and things like that. So we were able to not just bless families, but we were able to bless uh, other organizations on how to navigate uh, the whole, uh, you know, staying in business during COVID right. uh, um, that uh, we were all, everyone was trying to figure out. So, you know, that the Lord is, I think sometimes he's just, he's such a time as this. And, um, you know, this is the time that he's put us on this planet. And so we got to try to figure out how to share his love with, with everyone um, while we're here. So yeah, it's just been quite a ride and, you know, we couldn't do it without him. You know, we're, we're the, the, the sinful fallen vessels that he's chosen, uh, to do, to do this work. And, uh, it's uh, humbling to see what he does on a day-to-day basis and just, uh, trying to hold on for the ride. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I have to ask Robert, with the exception of the United States, I mean, what are some of the other countries that you see these classical conversation communities popping up in yeah so our biggest country is brazil i think we're there's over four thousand students in brazil so that's almost about 40 a little bit over 40 percent of all of our international we have uh about 1500 or so in canada uh we have about 16 or 1700 i think in russia uh which has been interesting because we also the Russians also helped the Ukrainians. We had three communities in the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So the Russian homeschoolers were trying to help the Ukrainian homeschoolers get to freedom and, uh, you know, stay safe and to be able to continue to educate their kids. So it was uh, cool to see that happening uh, amidst all the terror and all the terrible, terrible stuff going on. You can still see God moving over there. And um, yeah, we have... You know, different countries that, you know, we might have 100 or 200 students in like the UK, South Africa, um, Chile, uh, South America, we're really growing in. I think Chile has close to a thousand students in it. Um, So we're on every continent but Antarctica. And I joke around, but it's kind of semi-serious is if I can just get in touch with Elon Musk (laughs) and try to make classical conversations the official homeschool curriculum of Mars. 
So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they need. I mean, they're only going to be at a home school. Right. There's no uh, government prisons. I mean, school systems <laughs> on Mars yet. So let's kind of try to keep that here on the United States. Right. <laughs> I mean, keep that here in the U in the, on Earth and do <laughs> exactly. something different if we go 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 planetary hopping. <laughs> exactly. No, that's so. What's remarkable to me, Robert, is that so everybody knows. Well, not everybody knows. People should know that classical education is the way that education always used to be. I mean, you know, it was very significant in the Mediterranean region uh, during the ancient times. Um, but what I love that you're doing is, I mean, everybody knows there's been this revival of the classical movement over the last few years in the U.S., but you're taking it and you're sharing it with the world. I was talking to a contact in in the space one time and he was doing a conference like a, a, a homeschool conference and he said yeah you know what i noticed is like people i'll ask people at this conference are you classically educated and they'll go um well no yeah we yeah we or we don't do cc so basically like <laughs> converse, when they when you say classical education they just think cc you know it's like unanimous which is cool um but I mean, how are you seeing classical education being received by other cultures that perhaps weren't as exposed to it as, you know, um, certainly the United States was historically? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, because a lot of those countries haven't had the modern education movement as yeah. strong that um, classical education is natural education in a lot of ways uh, when you when you look at the tools of learning. And so a lot of a lot of them are more uh, prone uh, to classical method. They just didn't know that's what it was called. Uh, but also internationally, you see a lot more community focused. You know, we're very commuter here in the United States. You know, move away from your hometown, move away from your family, go off on your own. Yeah. Uh, not that those are inherently bad things, but uh, I think we've lost a lot of. Uh, that that family, that culture, um, because of that, and uh, they haven't lost that internationally. So, like in Brazil, yeah, we meet one day a week, just like we meet here. But those families meet the other four days a week together too, you know. In a lot yeah. of cases, um, because that's just just they do things in community, and I think um, you know, anytime you do something new, you don't do it well. And of course, homeschooling movement here in the United States started about 40 years ago in 1983 is kind of that kind of that spark. I mean, obviously there was homeschoolers before it, but kind of the modern movement. Uh, but we've, we've got 40 years of lessons learned and things that we would have, the homeschool movement would have done differently or things that have worked now. And so we're able to help these other countries not start at ground zero from the very beginning, but we're able to bring our best practices, our uh, curriculum that's been developed over 25 years uh, to them so that they're able to really get a jump start on uh, their homeschool, uh, you know, in their country. And it also has helped, you know, like I said, a lot of these countries aren't as free as the United States. Uh, some people don't know that the United States isn't as free as it always has been. It was actually not till 1993 that homeschooling was legal in every state. So growing up, we had friends who were threatened with arrest and being put in jail and their children being separated from them from being homeschooled. So it's uh, precious freedom. And we've been able to help other countries um, you know, indirectly gain that freedom yeah. or secure that freedom. 
And of course, we know that freedom is in- inerrant, but uh, that doesn't mean the government's not going to throw you in jail <laughs> or, uh, or, you know, um, try to stop you from having that freedom. So it's just been a real big blessing. And I think, you know, back earlier, I didn't really address it, but needing all several, all seven liberal arts. And you're pointing on like, why do I need this? Yeah. And that's really a di- the difference for us between a modern education and a truly Christian classical education. Mm-hmm. A modern education puts the student in the middle. How does this benefit me? A truly Christian education says, puts God in the middle and says, how does this reflect the nature of God? How does this allow us to know God more fully. So if you believe that the earth was made by God, that man was made in his image to glorify him and that he did it orderly, well, we if we want to know more about the, the Lord we love and who we're going to spend eternity with, um, then, uh, then that's why you should learn all of these things um, because it helps us become uh, stronger Christians. It helps us know the Lord who we claim to love uh, more fully and, and understand his personality and um, his, his desires and his orderliness and um, just how he operates uh, because we can see that through his creation. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so Robert, how did, you know, that, that day your, your mom called you and said, I want to take classical conversations and, and essentially share it with the world. Like, how did that, happen like how do you go from you know this network of homeschool communities to this kind of branded concept that is available and like you said every continent but antarctica like how like how does that conceptually happen certainly by god's grace but yeah yeah so um no my mom was always an entrepreneur she always uh, she'll be working on her deathbed, giving directions to people on what to do after she's gone. Um, so she just she just has always really enjoyed it. And uh, for her, for her, and that process was you know more and more people were asking her like, can we have a community in our area? Can we have a community in our area? And so uh, I mean that year there was over three hundred people on the waiting list, and maybe five or six communities. Uh, my parents were very frugal. Uh, my dad was an aerospace engineer, so he made you know we were kind of middle class on the on the higher side of middle class, but sure. by no means rich. Obviously, a single income family like uh, all homeschoolers. Uh, but every time he had gotten a raise, they had just putting that money away for the future. So they kind of had enough money put away where they knew they could not make any money for three or four years and and pay the bills and survive. Uh, but one of those bills was not the college, <laughs> college <laughs> tuition bill, unfortunately. Um, and so I think, you know, my, my mom and dad just had that conversation. Like if we're really gonna, um, have an opportunity to see if this could support our family in a meaningful way while, um, supporting homeschool families, uh, that my mom needed to work on it, uh, you know, 24 seven. And, uh, my dad, uh, would homeschool my younger brothers. So there's, there's four brothers. I'm the oldest. Uh, there's, there's a set of two and then there's about a 12 year gap and two more. So 
the running joke is my mom and dad screwed up the first two. So they decided to do it right the second time. <laughs> um, and then of course that's just how foundations and essentials were created. Cause they saw the knowledge gap that my brother John and I have, but uh, I run a business, uh, you know, partners and a couple other, and my brother John owns his own construction company. So I think we did all right. Um, with yeah. our, uh, being the guinea pigs in a, in a homeschool program. So, but it still makes me jealous of the education my younger brothers received. And, um, now that I have children of my own that are, uh, going through currently in the foundations program because they're young, um, you know, kind of jealous of everything that they're learning, uh, that I, that I never, never learned, yeah. or maybe I, maybe my mom tried to make me learn it, but you no, know, I wasn't, I wasn't the best of students all the time. So, Robert, when your mom gave you that phone call, uh, like, do you think that she knew or you knew? Like, did your family know that CC would become what it is today? No. <laughs> I mean, I, my, I mean, my mom and dad don't do anything without thinking through it and running the numbers. So they put a business plan together and kind of yeah. probably knew what they needed to get to. Yeah. Um, but the 300 people on the waiting list were, were not there. <laughs> yeah. um, so they had a runway, you know, they had like any entrepreneur usually try to have a certain amount of revenue um, finances secured up front to be able to get through the time where you're just spending money and not making any money. And, uh, you know, they self-funded that. Uh, I think the only outside funding was a business, uh, a uh, business plan competition. Uh, that my parents won, uh, that gave them like $10,000 or something early on. Um, but beyond that, it was just out of, you know, the American dream, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> looking towards the West and headed out, not, not knowing, uh, what you're going to see or what troubles you're going to run into. And, yeah. um, you know, my, my dad was well-respected in his career. So four or five years down the road and they had run out of money and CC didn't become a, a viable organization. You know, they could have uh, just, you know, gone back and started uh, going, gone back to it. So there is some uh, safety net. If you're a, you know, a smart person and have a career, you can jump back into if you decided to become an entrepreneur, but yeah. you know, nothing's, nothing's guaranteed. And, I mean, there's definitely, uh, there would be times when my mom would call me for money. Hey, Robert, I got a homeschool convention. I need to buy some books that I can sell. Can I borrow some money and I'll pay you back afterwards? It's like, mom, all my friends call their parents for money. None of their parents <laughs> are calling them for money. This is the wrong direction. <laughs> right, right. Oh my but goodness. I know, like, I felt like I was, I wouldn't change it you know, for the world. I mean, it felt like I was forged in the fire and have a lot of interesting and unique experiences that I can fall back on if anyone, because everyone sees where you are today, right? They never see the struggle, the effort, the, mm -hmm. you know, they don't, they don't know when I ran out of gas at the end of the semester, because I had $12 in my bank account, you know, $500 in credit card debt and uh, book one book left that I could sell for 18 bucks. <laughs> and I, <had> to, <laughs> and I, so I had basically negative $400 to my name and it was going to be a month until I got a paycheck. So, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I couldn't call my parents for money. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, Robert, that's incredible. I thanks so much for sharing that with me. Um, this has been great. You know, so you're a homeschool dad yourself now. Um, you what? What advice would you give to the parents listening out there? You know, who are are new to this whole homeschool thing? I mean. Certainly it's different now. There are so many resources. There's so many organizations. There's most definitely a, a CC community near where they live that they can get plugged into. Um, but, you know, you have a neat, unique perspective in that you were a grad and now you are a homeschool father. So what would you share with homeschool parents? Well, I think the good news is you don't need to know everything. You don't need to try to bring school home. And so... Right. Uh, homeschooling, you know, we like to call it home-centered education. Uh, that is really um, engaging your student and helping them become almost like 1% better each day. So, yeah, you need to make sure they learn the math and English and Latin and uh, geography and all of these uh, subjects. But but no Pentecost doesn't happen on our timeline. Like we act like, okay, the average eight-year-old is doing this. Well, your kid, that you could be doing that when you're six, or you could be doing it at when you're ten or eleven. And guess what? It's still fine. So don't compare, you know, your student to others, whether ahead or behind, um, because they are all on a on the path that the Lord would have for them. Um, and don't be, uh, you know, children learn are different than us like we've gotten old we've gotten tired mm -hmm. when when they're young like my my uh two and a half year old i read him brown bear brown bear what do you see every single night for like 30 nights in a row like <laughs> and he loves it every single time versus yeah. me i'm like you know it's like i don't even read it anymore i've got the whole thing memorized um <laughs> You know, I just flipped the page, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, that, 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 that memorization and those things, like people say, well, rote memorization, they don't need that. Or isn't that boring for them? It's like, no, I mean, it's not boring for them. Cause that's what they love doing. Like they love yeah. hearing the same stories over and over again. Uh, part of the reason, like I say, our, our, our second graders at classical conversations could pass chemistry 101 at Clemson because chemistry 101 at Clemson was just the periodic table basically for the first two for 50% of the content. Well, our second graders memorized the periodic table. Like they would right. literally be able to just go, <laughs> go out of CC second grade and probably get a higher grade on uh, chemistry 101 at yeah. a major university than I got. And I got an engineering degree after that. So, um, so, so don't be worried about your kid being ahead or behind, you know, trying to try to do a little bit everywhere every day. You don't need to spend six to eight hours a day. I think for, you know, younger students, you know, maybe an hour a day to, a little bit more of that of like concentrated time. And you're just, you're just adding to that every year, about half an hour as they get older. And, uh, I'm thinking high school, I spend about three hours a day plus reading. Cause if you're doing reading, you typically do that at night. Um, but yeah. usually about three hours of concentrated work because you're able to really focus on what you want to do. So giving those kids, those tools of learning is so important because you don't have to learn to teach them physics and biology and all of those things. I mean, the materials now, like you said, they're basically written for homeschoolers. So they yeah. know that you don't have a physics degree and, and your kid needs to understand physics. Um, 
So don't be afraid. I always think of homeschool parents, especially new ones, like the Wizard of Oz, where, um, you know, oh, I don't have a brain. I don't have a heart. You know, you know, I, I don't have courage. And then they go see the wizard and he's like, well, you had it all along. Here's your certificate. Right, <laughs> you know, <exactly>. you know <laughs> they just need someone to pat him on the back and say, look, you, you, you have been equipped to raise these kids. The Lord would not have given you these kids if he thought you weren't able to, to raise them up in the way he's <laughs> commanded you to raise them up. Uh, now, uh, so, so if you follow his commands, he says he will provide, yeah. uh, and if uh, there's a, there's always enough resources to accomplish whatever God wants accomplished. And it's pretty clear to me in the Bible, at no point does he give civil government the responsibility for educating our kids. There's only a few verses in the Old Testament about even the church being responsible for educating our kids. And there's a bunch of verses in the Old Testament and New Testament that require parents and a lot of them refer to the father as the as responsible for the child's education. And so, um, for me, uh, if you're following God's will, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a straight line, um, but uh, He'll provide for you on a day to day basis. So take it one day at a time. Uh, no Pentecost doesn't happen based on uh, student averages, and uh, don't compare your kids to others. And if you follow those three things. Uh, you're going to have a successful um, homeschool. I love that, Robert. You know, I um, I remember the day I graduated, technically, uh, being a homeschool student. And I say that in air quotes because you never graduate from an education. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I remember standing in my living room with my parents and my grandparents and my sister. You know, it was kind of our mock ceremony. And uh, I remember getting emotional because there was just this sense that, I had completed something, but my mom had too. Yeah. And that's the beauty of a classical education is you learn as you learn alongside the student. So it was like two of us graduated that day. Um, yeah, no, I don't know if you're aware of this or your listeners are, but we've actually um, tried to elevate parents at classical conversations. So we actually found a partnership with Southeastern University, where if you're going through classical conversations with your kid, you can opt into this program where you can get your master's in the classical arts through SEU. So as you know, these homeschool moms are the smartest people in the world. And then yeah. there's nothing wrong with this. So don't let me hear Don't please don't take this the wrong way, but we see them like graduate four or five kids and then they go get a job making $12 an hour, you know, doing something um, just like, being assisted somewhere not that that again that not that that's wrong but they should be hired on as ceo right, exactly. <laughs> because this, this is like one of the most educated people in the entire world like you should have them running your hr department um but because they have a gap in their you know resume or whatever or it's been x amount of years since they practiced their their craft you know they're not given the respect in the business community that they deserve. And so if you can time your graduation of your, you from your master's degree with your child's, then that's going to open up so many more doors that should already be open to you. But plus we need like classical education is growing exponentially in the United States. Now, is it just a buzzword to say we're not modern or not going to teach CRT or, you know, we're, you know, some of that is the case where they're not necessarily doing a classical education and they're using it as a marketing ploy. You know, I don't 
we can't point to anyone specifically and say they're they are or aren't doing it um but what i would just say is that everyone um who's truly looking for a christian education uh, is going to be doing that classically and so we're going to need more classical teachers so maybe these homeschool moms become uh teachers at these growing classical schools uh in the future um that's that's incredible robert where can people where can homeschool moms um get in touch with that opportunity yeah so it's uh classical conversations plus plus.com and uh that's our uh that's our um program that we have for students and parents uh where they can uh students starting in uh 10th grade can start earning college credit through our partnerships. So they stay in classical conversations, they get the wonderful curriculum and community there, but then they also can get their papers graded by a professor and uh, get the um, college credits knocked out at a significantly lower price. I think last year we saved families about a million dollars plus on uh, what would be normal uh, tuition for those. So. It uh it pays for itself in many ways and is uh yeah, just a great opportunity for students and families and really it's it was all about honoring mom and dad and and the effort they're putting in and, and we were able to find a a college partner that that saw that honoring parents uh was the right thing to do. So so yeah, parents, uh don't worry about it. You're you're gonna get that. You know, whether you get go get the degree in actuality or not. You don't need to be a master's in classical education to teach and uh, have a classical education for your child. All you have to do is really be one minute ahead of them. If you just right. stay one minute ahead of them, you're going to be fine. Man, Robert, that's remarkable and probably a great thing to end on in our conversation today. This has been such a treat for me. So great to have you on the podcast, Robert. Please keep up the great work you're doing. And um I'll include links to classical conversations uh, and all the opportunities we mentioned in the description of this episode. But Robert Bortons, thanks again. No, it's a pleasure being here today. And thank you for all you're doing to support homeschooling. And uh, yeah, I'd love to come on again. Oh, we'd love to have you. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Listeners, catch us here again next Wednesday. Thank you for listening to The Homeschool Enthusiast. Subscribe for free wherever you listen to podcasts. Twice a week, we bring you a message of hope and freedom, remembering that every student has unlimited God-given potential and the best learning happens outside of classrooms. 